This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this is... Lawson? Walters? Lawson Walters. Oh yeah, here we we Indeed, indeed. This is the breakfast show, and we've come to Encounter with God section, which means we're going to be getting into a Bible study. Mm. You can start turning to the book of Ecclesiastes in preparation, but while you're turning there, we're going to have another clue for our quiz, which nobody has got yet. It's been running over two days now. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a challenge for everybody. All right, let's go. Okay, next clue for the quiz. The spies thought that Israel would have an easy victory... Over this city. All right. What city am I? If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. And there will be a prize coming your direction. Okay, Lawson. So turning to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. You said? Okay. Yes. Coming up in eight days' time. Uh Uh-huh. What's happening? In, oh, yeah. We're, we're going to say stuff. Lawson will... Talk. Yeah, and so will you. And we're going to be saying talk. stuff to people. Okay, so we're going to say stuff. We're going to say stuff to people uh-huh. in uh, two weeks. Uh, no, one week's time. In one week's time. Eight days time. Eight days time. <laughs> we're going to be presenting the prophetic code meeting. Yes. Okay. So the prophetic code is a series that I put together some years ago. Uh, you can get it in hard copy as a Bible study series. And if you'd like to do it in hard copy as a Bible study series, contact us here. We'll put you in contact with the. Uh, Discovery Center, where they manage um, all of the Bible studies. Uh, however, far better than just doing the hard copy series, come along to the, um, the, the live show, which will be, yeah. We call, awesome. the, we call it a live show here on radio. I'm not sure whether, <laughs> whether I should call the uh, Prophetic Code Seminar a live show, but anyway. Well, it's going to be... It's a live program. It's you can going to be awesome. broadcasting live. That's right. To Faith FM. Absolutely. So come along and watch or listen meet the, or... Meet the presenters. Meet the Faith FM presenters. Mm. We will be there and we will be presenting. Yes, we will. We'll do, be doing what we do best. And if you can't be there, if you are in some other part of the country where you can't get to it, then tune in anyway because we're going to be putting it out live over Faith FM. Nice. Yeah. That's absolutely. awesome. It's going to be great. Um, and and uh, you'll have uh, Blake um, Blake Penland there who who will be hosting the program mm. and uh, Lawson myself doing the presentations. Can't wait for it. It's going to be amazing. Um, so, yeah, that's what it, it's all happening. Now, when it, it, eight days' time, when, where, how, give so us the details. It, so, also. it's going to be... On the twentieth, the first meeting is going to start on the the twentieth of September at six p.m. and we're going to be at the Raymond Terrace Mission. So that's um, forty five William Street, Raymond Terrace. If you know anything about Raymond Terrace, right on the main street between uh, the Best and Less and the Woolies or the Marketplace, um, and it's got a juice bar and an off shop out the front. So you'll you'll see that pretty. Clearly. You won't miss it. You won't you won't miss it. And um, yeah, come. It's completely free. There's food, which is always an amazing motivator because free food is awesome. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much, that's all I can say. Excellent. So be there at what time? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. start and we will have a question time each evening where you mm. can ask any question you want. And pretty much we, we usually get to answer 100% of questions that come in. 
Yeah, you reckon? Oh, in the past, that's always been my aim and my goal, and I don't think I've failed yet. So we will aim to answer all of the questions Every that come single through. Question. Um, you can write those down on one of our question cards, and uh, we will have a question time there. So much fun when we have question time. Mm. You have to stay for the second session to have question time. Uh, that comes through at the uh, so it goes from six till seven. And then you get to eat from 7 till 7.30. And that goes from 7.30 to 8.30. And then you can go home. Awesome. Yeah. What a good time. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Prophetic Code. Prophetic Code was a series that I put together some years ago. It was the result of doing Bible work in Sydney CBD. Oh, yeah. And as I was doing, you know, uh, meeting people there in the community, studying the Bible with them, uh, I recognized that there was a need for a series of Bible studies that was modern, that was cutting edge, uh, that would reach, you know, the interests that the people had, um, particularly within that culture. Mm. And so, you know, you're dealing with a very postmodern culture there, probably the pointy end of postmodernism in the uh, in, in the Sydney CBD. And so uh, the prophetic code came out of that. <laughs> yeah. It was born. Sat, sat down. Sat down in the uh, in my office. Yeah. So my office at that particular time, and this is where you'd come if you wanted Bible studies and that kind of thing, and I couldn't come to your home. Yeah. Was Glebe Shops. Oh, nice. Food court. That is awesome. That's where the first prophetic code was written. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Glebe Shops uh, food court, and uh, yeah, typed it all up, sent it off to a friend of mine, uh, Kel Norton. And he designed it all up. Just amazing design work. Mm. The, the, the graphics, the imagery is just sensational. And, uh, of course, if you come along, you'll get the uh, the live version with Lawson and myself, but you will also be able to get a hard copy for yourself. Mm, fully. So just be there every night and uh, you'll be able to pick up your hard copies um, each night. So that should be um, should be really, really amazing. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so we're going to have a lot more information coming up about that program. We are hoping that you are in the uh, anywhere within striking distance of Raymond Terrace that you will actually be there. We would love to meet you. We love it when we get this opportunity to run a public program, which we do from time to time, and we get to meet our listeners. Mm. Always nice to meet our listeners. Okay, this morning we are getting into our 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And today, 20 million people are going to be studying Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and let's see what this passage has to say right here. Uh, Verse 14, I think we'll start in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 14. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14, the Bible says, And this is not all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. Yeah, well, the, you, you, gotta, you almost feel discouraged just listening to that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's just meaningless. There's no meaning to it. What's the Bad, point? Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. The whole thing's meaningless. Just give up and forget about it. Why bother, right? You kind of get That's that heavy. feeling. Yeah, you yeah. You kind of get that 100%. feeling coming through from Solomon. It's it's pretty clear in in his words. He's just like, yep, it's all meaningless. <laughs> let, me, fact, let me let me read it from uh, let me read it from my translation. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth. <clears throat> 
there is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there is just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Mm. I'm kind of glad you had a modern translation yeah. on that one. <laughs> vanity. <laughs> vanity is not really a word that we use uh, these days in the same context as it was used in Definitely 1611. Not. Yeah. So vanity in 1611 was something that was meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a certainly a, a richness in the language, but mm. a bit of a time gap barrier there with the old KJV on this particular passage. You know, if you back up to uh, verse 12, you know, in verse 12 there, though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow because he fears because he fears, he feareth not before God. Mm. In other words, he doesn't honour God. Mm. Once again, the word fear has changed somewhat down through the centuries, and fear um, within this context used to carry the concept of honour, which is something we need to remember. We always need to remember to honour God. God yeah. wants to be our best friend, but at the same time he's not one of the fellows, and mm. we don't treat him like one of the fellows. Uh, and sometimes I think it's become trendy with Christ- within Christianity to treat God just like one of the fellas. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, God wants to be a friend. And we're, we've, we've, we, we, we always flip as human beings from one extreme to the other. You know, we have this one extreme where everybody's terrified of God and they'll never even talk to God because he's too big, too far away, too holy, too righteous, too far removed from humanity, and he becomes meaningless to us. And then we have the other extreme. It's like, yeah, mate, 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 you know, and we <laughs> treat God like that. And it's not really appropriate mm. to treat God in such a way. Yeah. Well, he's the king of the universe. It's like... That's right. Yeah. Ruler and creator of everything that's out there. Hey, they discovered something cool. I'll tell you in a minute. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Here's a momentary sidetrack for you. The scientists oh, yeah. have just, just discovered a um, a planet mm-hmm. <coughs> about twice the size of the Earth mm-hmm. within the Goldilocks zone mm-hmm. um, with water on it. Oh, there you go. Does yeah. it have anything else but water? Or? Well, it's kind of um, <clears throat> a one quadrillion kilometers away. Yeah. So it's a little bit hard to see. <laughs> Planets outside of our solar system were only recently discovered. And now we know that planets are pretty much the norm um, and that most suns have planets around them. So, you know, we know, how, we know there's billions and billions of suns out there and there'd be a lot more planets than there are mm-hmm. suns. And, of course, you know, being inquisitive human beings, we're always looking for planets that exist within the Goldilocks zone. Yeah. So the Goldilocks zone is that um, distance from the sun that allows liquid water. Mm. So it's not just gas yeah. being too close to the sun and it's not just ice 
being too far from the sun, it's liquid water. And of course, from a human perspective, it requires liquid water for life to exist. And we want to see whether there's other life anywhere in the world. Well, this planet, uh, they were able to get a bit of a look at it as it passed in front of its sun. And they were able to measure the fact that it did have liquid water and water vapor. They estimate that it has a surface temperature of between minus 74 and plus 46. So that's definitely within the Goldilocks Mm -hmm. zone. Life can exist within those temperatures, as we understand it here on planet Earth anyway. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just fascinates me, you know, the improbability of life coming about by evolution, yet we always have this thing in our mind that life is going to exist somewhere else in the universe. Now, the Bible says that the universe is full of life and that we should expect to see life. Uh, and I think it would melt everybody's brains if they found, you know, life mm. outside of this planet because then they would find that life was the norm and not the exception. But, uh, and that would throw their whole theories of evolution into absolute chaos. Mm. The theories of evolution are pretty chaotic as it is already. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was, I'm not sure how I got sidetracked on that. It was a cool <laughs> story. I just wanted to talk about it. <laughs> well, we were talking about, God and and fearing God and reverence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being ruler and creator of the entire Mm. universe. Absolutely. He didn't create an empty desert. Mm. God is a God of relationships. He's a God of love. Mm. He can't have love without having other creatures. And so our universe is full of life. That's what the Bible teaches. Mm. But I I think it's actually, you know, when we we look at God like, okay, so we have to fear God because he is the creator of the universe, but also he's our best friend because he loves us. It's like this sort of duality of truth it is the fact that yeah god is so big he is so far away he is so powerful and awesome and deserves respect and fear in the uh in the 1611 sense but at the, simultaneously he is someone that you can go and talk to and spend time with because he loves you absolutely which is which is just awesome to think about because right. there's no one there i don't think there is a single person on earth in that same like who displays those same figure like characteristics no. There are your best friends and there are the rulers. And it's like no one is that simultaneously except God. Yeah. I re- like, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I'm like, God God is so much more than we could ever be because we are so finite and he is so infinite, you know? That's right. Absolutely. All right. So let's go back to our passage here. The Bible says that it's all meaningless. Oh, yeah. Good Sometimes. things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happening to, to bad people is meaningless. Bad things happening to good people is meaningless. You're feeling a bit depressed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does, what does uh, it all mean, man? <laughs> does uh, does the, uh, the the book of uh, Ecclesiastes depress you this morning? Well, if you leave it there, it definitely does. If you just read that verse, it's like, okay, sweet. Yeah, if you read that verse on its own. Um, And that's why I read those two verses that come before it. Let's read those again, verse 12 and 13, please. Okay, so the Bible says, verse 12 and 13, But even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long time, I know that those who fear God will be better off. The wicked will not prosper, for they do not fear God. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. Okay, so if I compare my life to people who were born in similar circumstances, had similar opportunities... Similar education, say, for instance, my classmates uh, while I was at school, all pretty much on the same level, coming from the same socioeconomic background, etc., etc., same part of the world, blah, blah, blah. 
And I look at those who have chosen to follow Christ and compare them with those who have not chosen to follow Christ. There is a stark difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And good things have happened to them, who ha- those who have not chosen to follow God. And bad things have happened to people who have chosen to follow God and vice versa. And there's no meaning to that because mm. that's simply a demonstration of the fact that we live in a world of sin. That is collateral damage yeah. in a world of sin. But if I was to compare those two lives and ask myself, all right, do I or would I want to swap places mm. with any of them? Would I prefer their life over my life? And when I look at it from that perspective, you know, it's like, you know what? No way. Yeah. No way in a million years I cannot think of anybody in similar circumstances to myself who I would want to swap my life with who walked away from God. Mm. In fact, I don't know a single individual who has improved their life by walking away from God. I just can't think of anyone. Mm. And, you know, when you think about it, it is a really, really simple formula. You you think about uh, how many people there are who have turned their life into a train wreck. Yeah. We're surrounded by them all the time. And and not everybody who does not have God in their life turns their life into a train wreck. But I will say this. Nobody who becomes a follower of Jesus Christ turns their life into a train wreck by following Jesus Christ. Mm. That does yeah. not happen. You cannot show me a single solitary example of that. Mm-hmm. Simply does not exist. It's a really simple formula, and I just wonder, I, I shake my head in absolute bafflement. How do people not get this? Mm. That's pow- That's such a powerful point. I was, I was, I was reading yesterday the, the chapter in Great Controversy called Jerome and Huss, and it talks about these guys who were reformers who stood up for the truth of God. And um, in Huss's case, like, he was sharing the truth of God and, you know, converting the people back, you know, to the truth and, and standing up for righteousness. And he ended up, you know, getting burnt at the stake. Yeah. And even in death, like, he died with nothing. He yes. died on the stake with nothing. But even in death, he was so honored and so well thought of and so powerful in his witness like you, there is no possible metric of which you could use to say his life was not a success even though he burnt on the stake uh, jerome on the other hand um he um he you know is standing up for god doing the same thing um and then the ch- uh, the the people who were persecuting him at the time trying to get him to recant they decide oh instead of burning him on the stake we'll keep him in a dungeon undernourished for a year to try and force him to recant and we'll just keep him alive enough so he doesn't die but we'll just we'll leave him in constant pain and torture and so he ends up recanting he ends up saying like oh no like i look like this is too hard i you know i denounce the the, the doctrines of John Huss and John Wycliffe and the people, the reformers who had come before him who were sharing the truth. And then um, and it's like, you know, he has this gnarly moment of like falling away from God. And, and but then he comes back, like, then he realizes like, oh no, I've done the wrong thing. And he comes back and he makes the decision. He's like, you know, no, I, I, I was, um, I was wrong. Like I want to, you know, I'm making the decision today to just, 
uh, you know, to stand up for the truth of God, and he goes before tribunals and everything. And when you read that chapter in the Great Controversy, it's like he, the way he was presenting um, his information and his truth, it was as if he had so much time to to go and form the together. It was like he hadn't even just spent a year in a dungeon, like <laughs> rotting away. Like he literally says, "My flesh is rotting off my bones." Like, he's well, if you go so- to that dungeon, I've been to that dungeon. Yeah, I've been there, and. Um- it's under a building that is right on the edge of the lake. Yeah. And so the, the floor of the building is a few feet above the level of the lake. Mm. The dungeon is below lake level. Mm. Uh, it's below the water table. So you can imagine how cold and damp and wet yeah. you know, that dungeon would have been and how horrific it would have been. Yeah. Just a horrid place. But for Jerome, it was like he ended up dying at the, on the stake too, you know, mm. but... For him, dying on the stake was so much more worth recanting and just living for nothing because he knew like that. And and he was such a witness in that as well. And we now have that story. Uh, But right now, this is Lady Love Smith and Reggie Smith with Marvel Not At What I Say. You're listening to Lady Love Smith um, and Reggie Smith with Marvel Not at What I Say. You listen to Faith FM. We are an encounter with God. We are studying the Bible together. And uh, Lawson has just been sharing with us the most amazing story about Jerome and Huss mm. and the witness that they bore in their lives yeah. for the truth of God and how valuable it was to them. Just a uh, an incredible story. If anyone ever gets the opportunity to read the story of Jerome and Huss, um, these guys, of course, from the uh, Czech Republic, and uh, if you go to Prague, you can see the big uh, monument there in the center of the city of Prague to uh, John Huss. 
And uh, if you go to the city of Constance in Germany, you can see the memorials that mm. were built there to these great men. Mm. Um, you know, and 600 years later, we're still talking about them. Yeah. And um, re- remembering their history and remembering their sacrifice and remem- remembering how they gave their lives for the truth of God's mm. word. I think the point you're really making, you know, is that uh, bad things happening to you isn't necessarily a metric of whether you're successful in life or not, or whether God loves you or not, or whether, yeah, um, everything is just going well for you because these guys died by fire. They were burnt to death, yet they, they were so successful. They would not swap that for anything. For anything. They could have walked away at any time, mm. as Jerome demonstrated. And yeah. It was just like, no, no, no way. This is, this is, this is too good. Um, I am not backing down from this. Mm. Yeah, incredible stuff. Incredible stories right there. Let's go to chapter 12, um, and we will read verse 13 and 14. But while we're turning there, we need to point out that you know, right here in verses uh, 12 and 13 of chapter 8, we find that God's judgment is what brings meaning. Mm. So, yes, definitely here on this earth, Solomon is absolutely right. When bad things happen to good people, when good things happen to bad people, that is meaning. There is no meaning attached mm. to that. We shouldn't be necessarily looking for meaning. We try and find meaning in everything. There may not be any meaning in it whatsoever at all, other than the fact that we are collateral damage in a great controversy between mm. Christ and Satan. Um, and uh, and we don't need to find meaning in that. We just need to be, give our lives to Jesus Christ because mm. that is the that is the place to be. But God will bring meaning to it, and God will bring meaning to it through the work of the judgment. Okay, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, please, Lawson. The Bible says, That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Okay, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. That's um, a pretty clear statement right there. Yeah. A lot of people say that, you know, the commandments are oppression and the commandments are bondage and the commandments were nailed to the cross. You know, the implication there is that God was happy for people to be oppressed and under bondage in the Old Testament, but he comes to the New Testament and he's like, okay, no, I only wanted to oppress and place Jews under bondage, so now that the Gentiles are getting the gospel, I'll set everyone free. Mm-hmm. The other implication, of course, is that there's going to be two groups in heaven, you know, those who got there by keeping the law of God and those who got there by grace. Mm. This is ridiculous. Yeah. The Bible says, fear God and give glory to him. This is the whole duty of man. Keep his commandments. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> yeah, the entirety. And it's like, oh, man, anyone who holds the view that the commandments are oppression, it's like... Yes, please, you... please show me which commandment is oppressing you. <laughs> Do you live uh, in the real world? I know. Like, I would like to see the one that is oppressing you. Like, you know, it, it, the Bible Thou shalt not kill. Oh, that's <laughs> oppressing me. It's, it's tearing me apart. It's I'm really struggling. No, but yeah, oh, especially when you read like the book of James and it calls God's law the law of liberty because it's that's that right. very thing that gives us freedom to live. It calls it the do. royal law. Mm. Paul says in Romans chapter 7 and verse 12 that the, that the commandment is holy and just and good. And he is specifically in context speaking about the Ten Commandments. He says the Ten Commandments are holy, just, and good. Mm. 
It's pretty simple stuff. It just boggles my mind when people come to me like, "Oh no, the law of God's been, you know, it's been nailed to the cross, it's been done away with. It's uh, it's been abolished. It's been this. It's been. It's like, what? What, what are you on? <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't um, use such strong language, but it just it does really, really baffle me right here. And, and, and of course, you know. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. The wisest man who ever lived. He mm. struggles with all of these issues. He struggles with meaning, and then he finds meaning. Here's meaning right here. Fear God. In other words, honor God and keep his commandments. Mm. Those two things go together because when the Bible says to honor God, how do we honor God? Mm, by, by obedience. Exactly. Because one thing to honor God with our mouth it's altogether different to honor him with our actions. Mm. And we need to be honoring God with our actions. Okay, verse 14. Bit of a controversial verse, verse 14. Read that one for us again. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Ooh, how do you feel about that one, Lawson? <laughs> bit, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit sketchy. It's a bit like, you know... God is always watching kind of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And that's heavy. That's heavy yep. for a lot of people to think about. I think that, you know, um, but there's so much I could <laughs> say. There's so much I could say about repentance and forgiveness and the work that God does in your heart. And But, yeah. I, I, I like the way it says it in. Sorry, I butted in. That's okay. That's all right. What were you going to say? In verse 14, in, in the KJV, it says, For God shall bring every work into judgment. Mm. In other words, everything that you do, yeah, God will bring into judgment, mm. whether it is good or whether it is evil. Yes. Some people come to me and they say, you know, there is no judgment for Christian people because Christian people are already saved. So how would you? Why would you judge somebody who's already saved? What's your answer to that, Lawson? Um, simply this: like Christian people are already saved. Well, how how do you know that? Okay, that's an interest. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So let's say that you did know that. You, you did know. You're I like, say you did yes. know. Yes. Because God does know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God does He know. does know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the important point I see here is that the judgment is not for the saved. Mm. It is for the entire universe. Yes. Because God is going to save some people that the universe is going to look on and say, what on earth are you doing? How is it possible that you are saving this person? Mm. Why are they being saved? Mm. And God, in the judgment, gives a demonstration of why they are saved. The, the The judgment is not so that God can find out whether people are saved or lost, good or bad. The judgment is all about, it exists for the reason of ensuring that sin never comes back again. Mm. Because when the universe sees that God is fair, God is just, God is righteous, God is all loving, and they see that in action, and they see how people are saved, then it removes any doubt from anyone's mind. Mm. Um, and as you know, and, 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 and therefore, sin will not come back ever again, not because it cannot come back, but because no one wants to bring it back. Mm. They've, seen, they've seen the results of it. And uh, of course, there are you know the, there's the flip side to that equation as well, where there are people who are going to be lost, and people are going to be like, "What on earth are you talking about? Why are these people lost?" 
And once again, God holds the judgment. He holds it in open court. He holds it in front of the assembled multitudes of the universe so that no one's got any doubt about God. Mm. Um, Satan's whole attack has been an attack on the character of God, and it's been because of that attack that uh, this great controversy has been going on, and the judgment is all about the vindication of God's character mm. in front of the universe. Because when God's character is vindicated, God's law is vindicated, when God's law is vindicated, sin doesn't come back again. Not because God removes power of choice, but because people exercise that choice. This is Jaden Levick. Tis so sweet. so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Trust in Jesus Just to trust His cleansing blood And in simple faith To plunge me Neath the healing cleansing flood Jesus, Jesus How I trust Him
Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him and how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him and how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Keith and Kristen Getty with O oh, for a Closer Walk with God. What have you got for question of the day there, Lawson? Oh, before we Not do question, the question of the day. today, we're going to do another quiz. Clue for the quiz. Yeah, because no one's got it yet. What's wrong with you guys? Come on, get it together. You've usually got it by now. All right, here we go. Achan's sin led to Israel's defeat at this place. Ooh, Israel Ooh. got defeated there. Ooh, so if you know what that That's is, That's not such a good thing. Three two four eight four three. Call us. You'll get a prize completely for free. You just have to know the answer to the quiz. But now we're up to our question of the day. Yes, we are. And would you like to know what it is? Yeah, why not? Here's All right, here we go. Adam and Eve were created as physically mature adults, but with immature intellect. So did they have a fair chance to make an informed and intelligent choice to eat or not to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Especially since Satan, who tempted Eve, is God's most intelligent creation. Okay. There's a couple of uh, points that I'd like to highlight here. And we do not know all of the details. Mm -hmm. However, 
They were not created with an inferior intellect. They were created with a perfect intellect. The, the, the area where they were lacking was in experience. Mm-hmm. So they had a perfect intellect. There was nothing wrong with their intellect. It wasn't inferior in any way, shape or form. It was just lacking in experience. That mm-hmm. was the biggest difference because they were a very, very new creation whereas Satan had been around for maybe you know, billions of years. We do not know how long Satan had been in existence for. The question is, was it fair for them, with their level of experience, to go up against the most powerful creature that God ever created? The answer is no, absolutely not. That's completely unfair. There's no way in a million years would it be fair and would you stand back and allow, uh, say for instance, if you had children, even if they had a perfect intellect, and of course a child has a developing intellect, but a child you know, who is lacking in experience... There's no way that you would allow that child to deal with certain temptations that were beyond their capacity or capability to deal with. However, there's a promise in the Bible, and I want to highlight this promise because this applies to all of us today, because Mm -hmm. we do not have a perfect intellect such as Adam and Eve had. Mm. We have a sinful one. And if we go to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13... The Bible says there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So God never allows us to be tempted above our capacity to be able to deal with that temptation and above his capacity, and this is probably the most important part, his capacity to give us victory over that temptation. Mm. When we come back to Adam and Eve, it would have been incredibly unfair to let them with their lack of experience go up against Satan with his massive experience. Mm. But that's not what happened. God took Adam Adam and Eve aside and explained to them exactly what was going on. They had a very, very good understanding of the controversy between you know, uh, God and Satan. They knew that Satan would be there. They knew that Satan had access to that tree. They knew they shouldn't go anywhere near that tree. They knew that uh, they should not eat of that tree. God made it as easy as he possibly could for Adam and Eve because on the entire planet... I mean, you think about that, the entire planet, Satan only had access to one tree. Mm. Just one tree. That was it. Nothing else, no more. And so God, you know, God went out of his way. So it, it was not unfair in any way, shape or form because God warned them, he explained to them, and he filled in the gaps through those explanations in their lack of experience. Mm. And so if somebody comes to you and says, uh, Lawson, don't go too fast around that corner on your motorbike because there's oil on the corner and you will slip and go off the edge of the road and then you go too fast around the corner, uh, um, can you blame the person who, you know, were, were you lacking in warning? No, you no, weren't. No. Absolutely not. And you've got exactly the same thing here. God steps in and gives them all of the warning that they need. This is Carter and Carter with somebody bigger than you and I, and that person is Jesus Christ.
made the mountain? Who made the tree? Who made the river flow to the sea? And who hung the moon in the starry sky? Somebody bigger than you. Makes the flowers bloom in the spring. Who writes the song for the robin to sing? And who sends the rain when the earth is dry? Somebody bigger than you. It's the way when the road is long. He keeps you company, and with his love to guide you, he walks beside you, just like he walks with me. Hey guys, welcome back. What happened there? We're here. Lawson and I are here. It is the end of the show. We are about to give something away. Uh, but anyway, okay. What are we giving away there, Lawson? He's busily looking through. Okay, Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. 
Um, this one's always a classic, always very popular. So we'll give a copy of this one away today. Uh, this is the story of Desmond Doss. For those of you who might be unfamiliar with it, um, a Medal of Honor recipient during the Second World War, fighting on Okinawa, a place called Hacksaw Ridge, where the Japanese had set up a uh, reverse slope defense, mm-hmm. um, which was very, very effective Japanese strategy for uh, defending. It uh, protected them very, very well from artillery and created a kill zone at the top of a cliff. And of course, there were you know the the, the, the Americans assaulted this um, this this cliff top on a number of occasions, and on one of those occasions, uh, Desmond Doss was credited with saving seventy five lives. Now that was an estimate based on an argument that he had with his superior officer. His superior estimate officer estimated at it at over one hundred lives. Doss said that was impossible. He could not have done more than fifty. And so when it eventually went through for his recommendation, they made a compromise and called it 75. Mm. Um, Out of all of the Congressional Medals of Honor, there is none that comes even close to this one. And, of course, this is somebody who received a Congressional Medal of Honor not for taking life, which is the norm, but for saving life, Mm. which makes it uh, very significant. The other thing that makes it even more significant, again, is the simple fact that the most dangerous weapon this soldier ever carried was a Swiss Army pocket knife. Mm. He never carried a gun. That's yours, Beth. Let's call it through. It's, uh, this is Casting Crowns with Beulah Land.
Then I'll take my heavenly flight Someday on me I'll stand where my home shall be eternal. Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. shall be